0: Welcome back. This is the Soft Count. So the UFC fights this weekend had a very bummer of an ending. Curtis Blades won by a TKO in fifteen seconds because Tom Aspinall blew his knee out. He like kicked him once and then his he went to stand on it again and it and it gave out. And the fight was over that sucks. That's actually two weeks in a row now for the UFC that their main event ended with like a knee getting blown out. Kind of a strange occurrence. Not super common in the UFC. More common in the NFL and things where you're sprinting. I will say this though. Before the fight, Tom Aspinall was like in a sitting position. He like kneeled down like a slob squat And he sat like that for a while. And I do see fighters do this sometimes. It's like their little thing they like to do. Like, look at me. I'm squatting down before the fight. It's cool. But that dude weighs like 260 pounds, and he's squatting down on his knees like that for a good 60 seconds before the fight started. And then he stands up, he pops up, and the fight starts. And it's like, I mean, I I can guarantee you if he didn't do that, if he wasn't like sitting like that before the fight started, he probably wouldn't have blown his knee out in the first 15 seconds. That's a ton of weight on his knees, and his all the ligaments in there. Before the fight started, I just thought, after after I watched it happen, I was like, "That's that's what happened." <laughs> he was he did it, you know, he did it to himself before the fight started with his little like ceremonial, like I'm gonna kneel down in a slob squat, flat footed, knees totally bent, all my weight on my knees, and then pop up as soon as the bell rings to go fight. And it was like, and then he threw a kick, and his and his knee blew out. I can almost guarantee you that played a role. Jack Romanson, Chris Curtis, super boring fight, round three decision, could care less. Jack Romanson was running away the whole fight. And kind of, he was really, he took a page out of Israel Adesanya's new book where I just literally side to side dance around the outside. I come in, I throw a few strikes, and I just keep doing it. And if my gas tank doesn't run out and I, I can do that, it's like, fine, do it. Chris Curtis was getting super annoyed, and he kept walking back to the middle of the arena. He's like, I'm not going to chase you anymore. And then Jack's like, well, I'm just going to stand over here then because I already won the first two rounds, and I'm just not even going to engage you. It's like (laughs) such a weird – the defensive style. And I mean, Jack got the round three decision, and nobody was happy about it. Chris gave him the double bird. Jack started losing it after him you know, because he's basically calling him a pussy running from him the whole time and uh, didn't look good for Jack. That being said, Jack won, so, you know, fuck Curtis, fuck whoever, you know, you you got the dub, that's the game, is to get a W. The Patty Pimblett jordan Levitt fight was everything everybody wanted it to be. It became very clear that Jordan Levitt has no power at all in the striking game. Like, he can't really stand and bang. He is strictly a grappler, and that's fine, and Patty can do a little of both, but Patty got the rear naked choke and a submission in round two with 246 in the second round, that's real nice for Patty. He gave a really heart breaking speech after the fight. Patty Pimblett's known as you know Patty the Batty. He's like this over the top wild kid, and he is. He eats terribly. He's just not you know, he's over the top. But after the spe- after his fight, he gave a speech about a friend of his that had committed suicide. He talked about men should talk more, and he broke down into tears and was just bawling as he was walking out of the stadium. It was really heart wrenching, and it was real. And so I think Patty, a lot of people can relate to that. A lot of people relate to Patty, honestly. And a lot of people will kind of shit on Patty for being over the top and kind of being a wild dude. When there's guys like Leon Edwards and Tom Aspinall, and there's a lot of other British fighters that are much more reserved, I don't think the thing about that people like about Patty is he's eating pizza, he's drinking beer, he lives a lifestyle where it's not going to be sustainable, and he's never said it is. But in the end, he's nineteen and three, and a guy like Tom Aspinall is now, you know, thirteen and three. So, or I'm sorry, he's actually twelve and four now. He didn't win; he lost. So, yeah, I like Paddy, and I think he uh, he used his platform to talk about something that's pretty uh, pretty heavy, and I thought it was really interesting. Nikita Krylov absolutely smoked Alexander Gustafsson. Alexander's done you know he he was a heavyweight he is a hall of famer he's one of the all time greats and it's over for him and Nikita is vicious by the way he's another dude that's like going out of his way to learn English and trying his best Um, You know, he's a Russian fighter obviously he doesn't fly the flag he's like one of the first guys you see like the empty JPEG window where the flag should be when he's walking out I don't know what his stance is on anything he doesn't talk about it he just talks about family and and liking the fight so I'm I'm whatever Nikita Krylov is a special fighter Molly McCann became a superstar she got a round one knockout and jumped out of the ring was doing fucking had a bottle of booze out of the ring she is over the top fun and became an absolute superstar she was already a star but the UFC this weekend she became a superstar it was it was sweet. Paul Craig and and then the first fight on the main card was Paul Craig. He had a round three decision. He lost. He is he just like falls on his back. He needs to learn how to do a double leg takedown and, and end up on top. He's obviously a jiu Jitsu guy, but he needs to get on top. He's always on the bottom. He pulls guard, so he grabs you and then he falls on his back and pulls you on top of him. And he repeatedly does it over and over and over. And if it doesn't work, he loses in a decision usually. It's hard to knock him out because he's always falling down. And he uh, he's falling on his back to pull you down. It's just a weird style. I know a lot of people like him. He claims to be, you know, he comes out in brave heart shit. You think he's going to be super ultra fucking aggro violent fighter. And he's one of the guys like Jordan Levitt where he just like falls on his back and hopes you get on top of him. Super, it doesn't work. In, in modern MMA and modern fighting, that shit doesn't work anymore. I mean, once in a while, obviously, he's 16-5-1. It's worked before. It's just less common that you can get a dub that way. Guys have learned how to defend jiu-jitsu. That's the biggest thing. And so if your whole game is based on it, it is, I don't know, It's it's hard to win. Paul Craig had... All kinds of openings in the stand-up game because the guy was so worried about getting taken down that if he had any boxing skill at all, he should have been able to knock him out. Have you seen how big Paul Craig is? He's fucking huge, and he doesn't know how to box. Like, learn how to fucking box, and we'll see you next time. I've been getting a lot of messages about fantasy football. <laughs> Listen, I don't play fantasy football. A lot of uh, some some of the early messages in my DMs are about you know. I'm draft. Should I draft this guy? Should I draft that guy? I, I don't fucking know. I don't understand the leagues. I don't understand the game concept. I don't understand the fandom. I, I, I'm, I'm glad that people play it. It's brought a lot of like outsiders into football. You know, football claim that like 45% of their audience is women now. And I think, I mean, a lot of the women I know play fantasy football. And I played it one year. <laughs> I played one year and I, I won and won the whole thing. And I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew one thing. It was, it was in 06 when Randy Moss went to the Patriots, okay? And I had the last pick of the first round and the first pick of the second round. This is my only fantasy football story I've got because I only played one year. And so I have the last pick of the first round, first pick of the second round, and I get to the first pick, my pick, and it's the last pick of the first round, and I take Tom Brady. And everybody bursts out laughing because at the time Tom Brady was averaging I don't know he probably threw like 20 to 25 maybe 30 touchdowns in a season. He didn't put up big numbers. You know, not huge numbers. He wasn't throwing 5000, you know, yard seasons or anything yet. But he just got Randy Moss and I was like, "You know, I'm going to take Tom." And then I had the first pick of the second round and I took a Randy Moss. And the whole room is just laughing at me. I didn't even take a run, I didn't take a running back. At the time, you took a running back in the first two rounds if you could, you know. But I didn't. I took Tom Brady and Randy Moss and the room is laughing at me and I'm like, eh, whatever. Fuck you guys. So it gets to the third round and I take Willie Parker. For those of you who don't know, remember Willie Parker, his nickname was Fast Willie Parker. And that season was the season he led the league in rushing. And then he broke his leg with three games to go and he still led the league in rushing with a broken leg when not playing like a couple games at the end of the year. He, uh And so I had him, Randy Moss, and Tom Brady. And I had the Baltimore Ravens defense. I don't remember anything else about my roster. I didn't make a single adjustment all year, and I basically went undefeated. Shocker. So did the Patriots. They went sixteen and zero, and so my team just fucking dominated. Tom Brady threw fifty-five touchdowns, threw for ridiculous yards. Randy Moss broke the single-season touchdown receiving yard or you know record or whatever, and then Willie Parker led the league in rushing. And I dominated. And I didn't sub anybody out. There were there were weeks where. The last three weeks of the season, Willie Parker didn't even play. He had a broken leg, and Tom and Randy were just... <laughs> carried me. I didn't even look. I was. It was... Uh, and so yeah, I won that league that year. It was pretty funny. And I didn't enjoy it. A couple things that I didn't really... And In modern... And this was a long time ago. That was in 2006. Fantasy football's changed a lot. The philosophies and the way people draft. The things you're cheering for while you're watching the game. I just don't love it. I don't love like hoping that you know a third string running back is going to dominate one week i just it's just like it's not what i love about football i get that people love it you can message me and i can i'll i'll message you back there's probably a very low chance of me talking answering your fantasy football question ever on my pod is what i'm really trying to get it to i played it one time i get it so those of you who are like you just need to try it it's like i've tried it and i actually won the thing and i just didn't love it the drafting process was kind of cool. It re, because I like Madden, I like to play the franchise seasons and stuff. So there's times where I'm like, okay, fantasy football does appeal to me. And there is a money element and stuff. But it's just the amount of focus it takes for such a long time, a long period of time, I don't have anymore. I like I suffered horribly from ADD. And uh, so, you know, stuff like... The red zone appealed to me greatly. I love the red zone. UFC fight night, 15 fights in a night, all of them lasting like 15 minutes. On to the next one, I can make a bet. It maybe doesn't go through, and then I get to the next one, and I'm back in it. You know, so it's like an NFL game, even just a solid NFL game is three hours, and there's like 15 minutes of actual play on the field. And then in a fantasy football season, I'm like waiting for weeks and weeks and weeks to find out if I win. It's just, uh, yeah, I think I my attention span is not designed for fantasy football. Now, the, you know, obviously the the powers that be out there, the really genius people, are like, listen, there's a lot of people with ADD. Let's make up a new thing called uh, fantasy, like weekly fantasy football leagues, where you draft every week and you just play one week, and that's pretty cool. I've done that a few times, and there's like things apps that you can use where you you can bet and and do it that way and that is more appealing to me because there's an Im- immediacy, there's like a beginning and ending, it happens real fast and I'm I'm pleased. So, yeah, that's my take on it. Those of you that are going to message me about it, I'll message you back. Probably probably not going to answer the questions live on the pod. It's just not my thing. I'll probably lose a few listeners here. I do talk about I do talk about numbers and analytics and I do enjoy that that part of the NFL. This will be the first season the soft counts had the NFL we're only a few months old. Already, there's tons of people all over the world. We've got people in Oslo, England, all over Europe. We've got people all across the United States, mostly East Coast, down into the West and into Texas. Got a couple guys out in California now. Got a guy up in Spokane, I see you. I also wanted to have an honorable mention to my listener in Wichita, Kansas. You've, you're my other top listener. I'm sorry, I haven't acknowledged you before. Got my guy in Brussels and my guy in Wichita. You guys have been here since the beginning. And I really appreciate you. The Madden, uh, well, first of all, the Madden ratings, I'm kind of like, I don't care as much now. The quarterback ratings are going to come out, and there's not going to be anything shocking about it. The big thing in football right now is all these like PFL or PFF and all these different kind of guys, are they're, they're rating, they're giving you their top everything. Right now in media, the last couple weeks of July is without a doubt the worst time to be in sports. It is absolute hell. So you get you get these guys making all these crazy claims, and they're top players, and they'll they'll deliberately leave somebody at the bottom or leave somebody out. Right now, the things like Stafford's a tier two quarterback, blah blah blah. Like, first of all, who gives a shit what tier some guy in fucking bumfuck Idaho thinks Matt Stafford is? Like, there is no tiers. There's just players, and some guys are on another plane of existence for a season, and then they fall off. Sometimes guys can sustain it forever. It's just it's hard to say, but I'll tell you this right now. The Rams are going to – it's probably not going to repeat. Their team's not going to be as good technically. I mean, in the idea that very, very rarely does anybody repeat. So you know they're going to struggle just based on that. I think the Bengals are going to have a – are going to really regress. And that's like – analytically really common for the team that loses the Super Bowl to regress and now the Bengals got there a few years earlier than expected and so I think the regression is really going to hurt them they struggled last year and just made it somehow you can't you know it'll be interesting they did rebuild their line their defense is not very good their offensive like everybody loves Joe Mixon and I don't know why like, he doesn't put up amazing numbers. I don't care what anybody tells me. Every time I watch him play a game, he gets like 60 yards carrying. You know, it's like, what the fuck? And I watch Joe Burrow get smoked like five times a game. You know, it's it's not going to happen. Right now, the AFC North has got the Bengals, Browns, Ravens, and Steelers. That's the preseason rankings on pro football focus. I'm telling you right now, the Baltimore Ravens are probably going to win the division. They're still the best team. The Bengals got through, but the Baltimore Ravens were just hurt last year. And people forget, like, Lamar's an MVP. He is the real deal. I get it. Oh, he can't throw. Who gives a shit he can run faster than anyone in the NFL? He might be the fastest player in the NFL, and nobody knows it because he didn't run a 40. And so everyone just thinks, well, he is fast. It's like, you don't get it. He's probably the fastest, most elusive player in the NFL next to Tyreek Hill. Like those two and he plays quarterback. It's fucking insane. People cannot tackle him. Now he's in a really weird situation with his contract. It looks like he's probably gonna have to play without signing a new contract if he's gonna play. He's saying he's gonna sit out, which is wise, but he's still got his mom as his agent. And it's like, dude, you can keep your mom around and still hire a fucking pit bull lawyer at least. You don't need an agent. Just hire some fucking bulldog lawyer that can read a contract. Ugh. It'll be interesting. It's going to be an interesting season. I I am not excited about very many of the the rookie quarterbacks. I think the most interesting rookie quarterback is going to be Trey Lance and he's not a rookie, but it'll be his first year. What you're what they're going to hope for is it's going to be a Patrick Mahomes awakening, right? Like they were going for that Chiefs design where it was like we've got Alex Smith, he's going to play a year, we go to the playoffs, we made a really hard run and then it fizzled out and we traded him and now now Pat Mahomes is ready. The problem is, is I don't believe the coaching staff in San Francisco thinks Trey Lance is is ready. And, and the reality is, is when you see him throw the ball, he's got a wonky throwing motion similar to Sam Darnold. And historically, that shit just doesn't translate. And people are like, eh, whatever, you know, you can you can make it work. It's like no, you can't. I don't know why, but you can't. It just doesn't work historically, analytically. There are very few quarterbacks that have really shitty throwing motions that have had success. I mean, there's some. Phillip Rivers, but he didn't win a Super Bowl. His throwing motion was fucking garbage. And he, he never won a Super Bowl, but he put up great numbers, you know. But as he aged, he aged faster than everybody. His arm got weaker earlier. But he, you know, he didn't even really have a hitch, he just had this weird sidearm throwing thing. The hitch thing, I don't see very many. I've never, I can't even think of a quarterback with this put up great numbers that has a hitch where they turn the ball upside down and make a loop as they pull the ball back. It's so fucking weird. As a kid, it needs to be coached out. Like whoever had him as a kid, his father, his fucking peewee coach, like that shit needed fixed years ago. It's too late. He's going to have it. And everyone, and as you hear the training camp reports, they're like, oh, we're working on Trey Lance's throwing motion. It needs to get fixed. And it's like, People forget, they traded three first-round picks to get Trey Lance. The Browns traded three first-round picks to get Deshaun Watson. Now, Watson's allegedly a rapist psycho, and so he probably won't play, and they obviously look stupid for trading three first-round picks for him. However, he has proven to be a top-five quarterback when he was playing. He was fantastic. I, I would say he reminds me... The closest guy, and people don't really even, I think, realize this, but Justin Herbert and Deshaun Watson are more similar than they are, like, not. That's the comp. Those two guys have a really nice kind of robotical throwing motion. They're both really athletic. They're fairly similar. But Trey Lance, he's going to play this year. They traded three first-rounders to get up to get to him. So I'm just kind of giving you a point. Like, that's what they the Browns gave up. This is what the Niners gave up, and this is what you get. If Deshaun Watson ever starts playing and has a continues his career in Cleveland, he's probably going to be really good. Trey Lance, we don't know. He looked really bad last year at times. He obviously has a cannon for an arm, but it's like, like I said, he's got a weird throwing motion. We'll see. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not sold on him yet. I forgot that the Washington Commanders got Carson Wentz. Some people think that they could win the division. I think it's going to be obviously between the Eagles and the Cowboys. And I think the Cowboys win the NFC East this year. I think the Cowboys are significantly better than the Eagles. I'm just not sold on Jalen Hurts yet. I don't know if he understands what he's seeing on, on like, when he's looking at the defense. I don't know. I think everybody's going to be shocked when the Lions are in it for the NFC North. The Bears might have one of the worst seasons in the NFL this year. I've been out – Listen, I watched Justin Fields play in college a lot. I, in fact, I watched every snap of his college career. He was one of the most inaccurate quarterbacks I've ever seen play at Ohio State. And what do I mean? It's like every single ball is high. Every wide receiver has to reach up above their head to catch the ball, even when they're wide open. And in the NFL, you just get absolutely smoked when you have to catch every ball like that. And then you stop catching the ball. He's athletic. He's not that athletic. He ran a four four um forty in that area in the four fours. Straight line speed. So does Daniel Jones. The thing about Justin Fields is he's not as elusive as you'd want him to be. He's got straight line speed, sure, but his elusiveness isn't isn't fantastic. His arm is a C. <laughs> like I'm not in I'm not into it. They might really struggle. I think the Lions. I mean, I think the Lions are going to be better than the Bears and the – I mean, I can't believe I'm even going to say – I just – I'm really, really curious to see how the Packers perform this year. I think they could be terrible. And a lot I'm not even sure – I really do believe that Aaron Rodgers doesn't make it through the season, which would be fucking hilarious. NFC South's got some interesting things going on. The Falcons are in bad place. This might be the worst division in the NFL which is funny because no one would ever say that. The NFC South has got one good team in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they, they aren't that good right now. Their running back weighs almost 300 pounds, and <laughs> he's not ready. Their wideouts are okay, and Tom Brady's old as shit, and their defense is old. I don't know, man. They're still the best team. The Falcons are trash, the Panthers are trash, and the Saints, who knows? Like, is Michael Thomas coming back to play with Chris Olave and, like, the new weapons they have? And is Alvin Kamara going to play? And is Jameis Winston going to be any good? I have no idea. I do know that the best player on their team was the head coach, and he left too. They could be awful. Another thing about me is I'm not huge on college football. I watch it, obviously, but I don't love it. I, I meant mostly it's because of... The talent disparity, there's just one team is loaded, another team isn't. Very few games are competitive. The things I like about college football, a couple years ago when, like, I like the running quarterback in college football. Like, when, when teams are doing, like, wacky shit, I actually enjoy that about college football. It makes it different for me from the NFL. And it allows teams with, lesser con- like, lesser talent to compete with better teams, and so growing up, like my favorite quarterback at Ohio State was Troy Smith and Terrell Pryor. Those two guys were my favorite, right? At West Virginia, I loved Pat White and Steve Slate, and I thought those two guys were electric. <clears throat> I remember when Pat White got drafted, Bill Parcells was running the Dolphins at the time. And he got drafted in the second round, and I was like, oh, my God, Pat White!" Bill Parcells took Pat White. And Pat White, to me, would have been, if he would have been able to make it, he would have been the fastest person to ever play quarterback. He he, he played one game. Listen, I remember tuning in. It was the Dolphins week one. He got to play. I was like, oh, my God, they're going to play Pat White. He goes out there, and he got absolutely smoked. He tried to run to the edge, and I don't know, he just wasn't ready for how much harder they hit. And he got, like, carted off the field. And he retired. And I saw an interview with Pat White where he was like, yeah, I got hit, and I, I was scared to go back out there. I was like, oh, my God. And then he eventually came back and backed up. Um, oh, fuck. He went to the Redskins at the time, the Commanders, and it was um, he was a backup there for a couple years. I, I want to say that it was uh, Donovan McNabb. He backed up him at one point and then Robert Griffin or something. He did get a he did come back, but he retired for like 4 years after getting hit one time in the NFL. And at one point, he appeared to be the most athletic person I'd ever seen in college football. He was lightning. I loved it. Watching Mike Vick and that was and Virginia Tech, that shit was unbelievable. I mean, Texas with Vince Young. Vince Young was one of the most amazing college quarterbacks I'd ever seen. And arguably the best college quarterback to ever play is Tim Tebow and he couldn't even step on the field in the NFL I mean he could he, I say that and they went 8-8 eight and eight and got into the playoffs they were bad I recently saw a video with him throwing the football and it was just like an immediate duck in a, in a training camp in Denver it was it was, it's so embarrassing and he was the mo- one of the most he was the most dominant college player I've ever seen ever I hate Florida I hate Urban Meyer I don't like Tim Tebow, and I'll tell you right now, he was Michael Jordan in college football. He is the greatest to ever play. He was unbelievable. He should have won two Heismans. He should have have won two Heismans. The next best player in college football to me was probably Vince Young. Those two guys were unstoppable, absolutely unstoppable in every single way, and both of them did not make it in the NFL. So that's why I'm not a huge fan of college football. The best players in college football don't always transfer. You guys remember Ken Dorsey in Miami? Miami was the most loaded college football team of all time. And Ohio State played them and beat them. But Ken Dorsey was unbelievable in college. Unbelievable. Pocket quarterback that could just throw it everywhere. He had Kellen Winslow. He had Andre Johnson. He had fucking... I mean, God, what, every time I look up that team, I'm just completely shocked. Uh, Roscoe Parrish was on there, who was just a lightning bug. He was so fast. Uh, Willis McGahey, Frank Gore, that's just on offense, right? Pretty sure Vince, Vince Wilfork and, like, a dozen other superstars were on defense. But Ken Dorsey was amazing. He couldn't cut it in the NFL. Not even close. And so college college to me is just a totally different game. And I don't love watching it. I do watch a ton of it just because it's on. And Saturdays, are, that's what's well, on. So you watch it. But again, I watch it for different reasons. I think the NBA trade rumors are going to kind of wind down here soon. KD's probably not going to leave. Like I said, they want... Superstars. Here's the funny thing though. I, I saw they turned down Boston's a trade with or Boston. Yeah, Boston turned down a trade for KD. It was Jalen Brown, maybe a pick, some and some junk, and the Nets wanted Marcus Smart and they wouldn't do the deal. That was like the last thing they wanted was Marcus Smart. It's like what? I'd get rid of all that shit. Marcus Smart's the reason you couldn't win the finals. Like, yeah, take him. Get him out of here. And KD and Jason Tatum, that'll work sign a bunch of other junk, who cares? But they they you know, they wanted Marcus Martin, so they didn't and the Celtics didn't want to give him up. It's like, "Oh my god, you guys, both of you guys are all so stupid." The Lakers are going to run it back with Westbrook and LeBron and AD. Like I said, AD is the only high enough profile player to actually trade for Kevin Durant. And I got uh, a friend of mine messaged me and just didn't like the trade. He, he says the Kyrie trade would be better because They've proven that they've won before. My only pushback is that Kyrie's a different dude now. He's not the same guy as he used to be. Maybe he's a better guy. I have no idea. But he needs to get fucking vaccinated so he can play every game. It's just you can't – there's too many places he can't still play. And COVID's coming back on the rise again. It's, it's, they're already recommending masks in California again. California is the barometer. Everybody hates on California. Like, oh, California's just left fucking hell. And it's like, no, they got everybody wearing masks right now. And and the barometer will tell you, like, eventually whatever's going on out there will spread throughout the country and needs to be done. They just do it first. And so everybody hates California. I was born in California. Those of you that are wondering, I'm a native Californian. Now, California's going to fall into the fucking ocean. So wh- whatever. I, I, I don't know. But ultimately... They're saying COVID's on the rise. They're saying Masterback. That's going to kind of eventually go to all the other states, and eventually Kyrie Irving's not going to be able to play at certain places. So I just don't know if I want him. I definitely don't want Westbrook. You can't trade KD for Westbrook. You have to add AD. But the KD, I still think the KD and Kyrie for AD and Westbrook is not that horrible of an idea for either team. But I don't, I don't see how Russell and Kevin Durant could ever reconcile. That was like the most public breakup of all time. The SBs, they had Peyton Manning joking about it and shit. It was like a fucking ugly breakup. They don't want to be on the same team again. Honestly, Russell probably wants to go to a place like Indiana and be the leader somewhere, but I don't know. I feel bad for anybody that has to play with him. He seems like he is completely unreasonable at this point in his career. Carmelo Anthony finally got it, and he's like, I, I can't be the leader anymore. Just let me come out there and play. <laughs> I love Melo, by the way, if you're ever wondering. He's one of my favorite all-time players. He's always got sunglasses on. He looks stoned to fuck. I love him, and he he could stroke it. When he was in his prime, man, he was one of the best. I mean, there for many years, it was who's better, Carmelo or LeBron? And at the time, Melo was a lot better shooter than LeBron was. He was the guy getting the scoring titles all the time and not winning anything. But they both came out around the same time, you know. Melo had a year of college, and then him and LeBron come out, and they were kind of like, you know, the two best players in the NBA for a long time. They're playing together, but, you know, Melo's done. He's old. He can still stroke it, but he can't be any kind of centerpiece or even a starter, really. He's a bench player, a role player. <laughs> UFC 277 is this weekend. Juliana Pena and Amanda Nunez are fighting again. Amanda's the heavy favorite. I think, I mean, it's obvious to, I think everybody that watched the fight, that something was wrong with Nunez in that first fight. She just didn't look herself. And if she does look herself, she should be favored. to win her belt back. She looks like she's in great shape. She's been on this ultimate, or the, the ultimate fighter show. So there's been a lot of buildup leading up to this fight. That's a lot of pressure on Juliana Pena to, to live up to. We'll see if she can get that done. I'm not sold on that yet. Uh, but she did look really great in the first fight. But like I said, something just seemed off about Nunez. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested. My current favorite ride or die is Kai Franz I love this dude. He is just such a hard-nosed fighter. And he's going up against the other hard-nosed fighter in Brandon Moreno. They are the co-main event. It's going to be an electric fight. The last fight I saw with Kai Kara-France, he had to fight that uh, Russian undefeated guy who was just like on his back the whole time, and Kai had to like peel him off the fence repeatedly and repeatedly, and he ended up getting the win. And now he's going to fight another striker, and so this fight this weekend might be one of the most exciting fights anyone's seen in a really long time. Brandon Moreno, Kai Kara-France, it's going to be electric. The fight before that is the um, Derek Lewis and Sergei Pavlovich. Derek's already said he doesn't want to fight five round fights anymore, so he's just doing these three rounders. He's always exciting. He'll probably get the knockout. He's although Sergey's fifteen and one, Derek is just he's awesome. He'll probably win. Just wanted to kind of touch on some of those the first the the kind of couple main fights. Paulo Costa and Luke Rockhold were supposed to fight and it got canceled. I love Paulo on the internet by the way. If you don't follow Paulo Costa on Twitter or Instagram, you should. He is a fucking handful. But that was just a quick little preview, Monday preview. As the week goes on, we're going to talk and kind of build this card up. We'll talk more on the prelims and the early prelims. There's a, being uh, an actual pay-per-view event, there's going to be a ton of fights, and there's some really interesting prelim fights. And so we'll, we'll talk about those as the week goes on. Last thing I wanted to mention was the Formula One race this weekend. It was a bummer. Charles Leclerc gets pole, and Max Verstappen wins. I've been saying it all season long, and now everybody kind of has caught on to that. That's what's happening. Uh, Leclerc is in his own head now. I mean, he just spun out. He that was his fault. He's leading the race, and he just spun out and slammed into the wall and was screaming. He is inside his own head now. It's he, you know, he he screamed because he realized that was it. I can no longer win the world championship. There was not There was a chance, and now it's gone. And it's a really big bummer. I'm not sure what anybody does. Some of these losses are on Leclerc, and some of these losses are on Team Ferrari. The one this weekend was on Leclerc, and it was ugly. Max is going to be the world champ. Lewis and George Russell getting two and three. I told you, Mercedes is getting faster, and they are now on the podium, and Max is looking over there like, fuck, I'm going to have to start racing Lewis Hamilton again. It's not going to matter this season, but it tells you next year, Mercedes will be back in it. There's been some rumors that Lewis Hamilton may retire. He ain't retiring if they're getting faster. We'll see. Make sure you like and subscribe Leave a review if you feel like it. I'm on Instagram at the soft count. Make sure you uh, shoot me a message and shoot the shit with me. We did the UFC party this weekend and uh, we had a few newcomers. It was pretty sweet. So sign up on stake.com. Use the promo code, the soft count and make sure your stake name and your discord name match and you can get into the party. This weekend for USC 277, we talk live. You can hang out, ask questions. We just shoot the shit, share our different bet slips. We may be moving over to another site of choice. We shall see. And there's been some things happening on the gambling front, and, and we may have a little change coming. We'll see how it goes. I am, uh, if you hate me, go ahead and send me a message on Instagram, talk some shit, and I'll read it out loud. Like I will, I always say I do. I haven't got any of those yet, though. Nobody's messaged me telling me what a total garbage can I am, and I've been kind of waiting for it. So I'll, uh, still looking forward to that. Hit me up. We'll talk to you guys more this week. Peace.